in today's episode. Change what we need to do in our work. I always love puzzles and I always love crime stories. I dropped out of college and was fired from my, my job. Capabilities are out there, how things are working, what is my company doing, what others are doing. This is before I started working in fraud. From my experience, there are two ways to move from being an analyst or an investigator into being a manager. I think in both of those cases, the difference between an investigator and a manager are people who are just trying to start in this career. You don't need to first go and learn. That's a very good question. Just stay curious. Welcome to the new episode and new season of the podcast and journey into fraud prevention. In the second season, we extend list of the questions. The new questions that we added is how to become a manager in fraud prevention. I'm your host Ivan, and in this episode, I'm joined by Gil Rosnathal, who is a co-founder and CEO at Choir. Let's begin. Поехали. Hi, Gil. Uh, thank you for joining us today, and uh, much more thank you for you find the time in this not easy time for everyone. Uh, I believe it is uh, pretty hard like to do some records in uh, some world uh, circumstances this way right now. Facing quiz, unfortunately, and uh, um, I'm going to start with my first questions. It's usually uh, how I begin all my podcast, and um, for some people it's easy, for some it's very long answer, but fraud prevention, what is fraud prevention for you? So I think fraud prevention is, fraud prevention to me is, is, something you can either address in a narrow way or, or in a broad way. In a narrow way, fraud prevention is the attempts of mostly for-profit companies to stop bad actors from taking actions in their system and exploiting their legitimate customers or their legitimate processes. So that to me is, is definition of, of fraud prevention on a, on a narrow Neurospace is usually focused on work processes and automation and capabilities that allow you to spot the fraudsters before they take action. On a broader sense, fraud prevention to me is an industry, right? It's a community. It's something that a large group of us are trying to do in order to reduce the amount of financial harm people suffer by the hand of bad actors. And uh, just to clarify, the fraud prevention is not only focus on the financial part because it uh, includes other different parts. Uh, it yeah. might be focusing on like preventing bad reputation from the company that's made by fraudsters. Totally. I fully agree with that. And how long have you been in the fraud industry? So I've been in the industry for 13 years. My career started in 2010 when I joined PayPal. Well. Uh, that was a long time. That's a moment when PayPal was still, still primarily focused on eBay, or better to say, eBay was fully uh, focusing on only on PayPal as a payment method, as I recall correctly, timelines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, eBay was still PayPal's parent company at the time. Yeah, and then the industry was, was very different in a lot of ways. And how industry has been changed so far, and uh, which vector is going for now? What do you think about it? So 
when I, when I think about it, I think the the industry changed quite a lot. But one way is in terms of technology and scale and just the ability. When I joined, it was the early days of mobile phone or not mobile phones, but, but smartphones. MFA was just starting out as, as something that some companies were doing. It definitely wasn't, wasn't ubiquitous. There were many other things that were still being built and capabilities that both companies had and bad actors at the time. I think so, so that's technology definitely changed the game a lot, but also the amount of different players in the ecosystem has changed a ton. So when I joined PayPal, we went through a, a presentation where someone explained to us all of the different parties involved at a, in a PayPal transact, right? And how the money moves from one organization to another, to another, to another, in order at the end of the day for the money to go from the person who bought something to the person who sold something. The amount of parties involved in that process today is now like two or three times larger because there are now different types of fintechs and financial institutions and technology institutions that have inserted themselves into the process, making it much more complex. Yeah, speaking about like technology, I, I believe um, in the fraud industry, some people afraid uh, when they're hearing this uh, very popular uh, two letters, AI. Um, yes. <laughs> do you believe uh, we still need someone who like actually human being presenting uh, to, I don't know, fr fight fraud? Or it's going to be soon when uh, something going to be replaced, uh, all fraud fighters and uh, we're going to find another area where to work. Uh, so I don't think it's soon. I, I wouldn't, but I do think that over time technology will change what we need to do in our work. Right. And, and I've seen that happen, right. I, I started my professional career where emails and the internet were not even before I joined fraud fighting, right. Just working uh, as an adult. Emails and internet were still being integrated into the works, into the workplace, not to mention even before that computers were integrated into the workplace. After that, mobile phones and smartphones were integrated. And now we're at the cusp of, of a new technology shift with AI. That's the way I see it. And it will change our capabilities and will change our work. Uh, but I don't think it will make humans redundant. I think it will just change the nature of what we do. Yeah, and uh, I believe that we need more adapt way to work and resist uh, rather than just like to against new technologies. Otherwise, it's not going to work uh, for anyone in the near future. Exactly. Why actually you decide to join fraud prevention? What just like what was motivation or maybe story behind it? You I know read some articles that motivate you to join fraud fighters or I don't know. When you was a child, someone asked you where you want to be and uh, you answer for a fighter. So, no, I, I, I mean, I always loved puzzles and I always loved like crime stories, detective stories. Um, so, so I, I, I was always attracted to some of the, 
these type of problems. But the real honest answer of why I joined this industry is because um, in 2010, I dropped out of college and was fired from my, my job that I was doing while I was going to school within a less than a six month period, basically needed a new direction in life. And one of my very best friends was working at PayPal at the time in fraud prevention and, and suggested that I would apply some key things that I'll, I'll enjoy it. And I did, and I got the job uh, and I never looked back. It's, it's been amazing. If you're right now looking back and, um, for example, you, you got offered somewhere else, uh, do you want to try another options, uh, to grow or you still can do, to join like for a prevention path and, uh, do the same way, maybe like something differently, but still the same industry. I highly recommend it as a profession, right? No, I think it takes specific type of people to do this job. Well, you need to think about problems and in certain ways, you need to like solving puzzles. You need to like digging a bit and, and looking beyond the surface level. And you need to have, let's call it a, a suspicious mindset. You need to not take everything you're being told as truth and, and double check. But if you have that type of mentality, this can be a very, very fun career where every 10 minutes, even sometimes you have a new problem at your table and you get to play a new game. You know, I heard from someone, if you really like conspiracy theory, that's definitely is a good path for work in fraud prevention, because you're always thinking something unbelievable might happen in, in a story or a user flow or something similar. You just try to say, oh, you know, uh, some, I don't know, aliens arrived in the middle of transaction and just <laughs> told them it, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I, that's, I, I haven't heard that yet, but that's very smart. I think if you like conspiracy theories, but you're smart enough not to believe every conspiracy theory that you, that you hear, because a big part of fraud prevention is thinking in stories and what is likely and what is not likely. If you get stuck on edge cases and you don't understand that they are too unlikely to be true and can be proven to be false, that, that, then, then it's going to be difficult for you to succeed in this job. For summarize that point, if someone deciding to play a Monopoly and not uh, resolve puzzles, sorry, just please not apply. <laughs> of course, I'm joking here, but <laughs> in the case, I, I agree with you, like puzzles is actually a great uh, explanation because you try to find the small piece and where to put it to like to get the better, better picture about what happened here in specific issues or cases. And sometimes uh, when you have small piece and you have another 10,000 pieces around, so it's it's a really challenging job in it in a lot of instances, and you need this kind of mindset. Yeah, exactly. And what's the actually hardest things for you to work in the fraud prevention industry? So I think the hardest thing is to stay on the cutting edge of everything that is happening. Because it, in fraud, when you're working in fraud prevention, you're basically in the intersection of three different types of activities in the world. One is 
business activity, companies being built, trying to get financial success, users interacting with those companies, buying, selling, etc. And then, so that's one side. A second, a second side is technology and everything going on in the technological world, especially if you're working in online fraud prevention. What capabilities are out there? How things are working? What is my company doing? What others are doing? Um, how, how does our system work? So that's a second part. And then a third part is fraud. What types of scams are happening? What are the tools that fraudsters have? We need to know the other side and how they're working and how they're thinking in order to know how to stop them from doing what they're trying to do. And it's very, very hard to stay very informed on all three of these aspects all the time. It's extremely possible. Ever, a lot of us are doing that, doing it, but that to me is what takes the most effort. Yeah, and if we're looking at the parallel, I know, I don't like this parallel, but it's probably the closest one. If we're looking at the developers, for example, who started a long time ago and started from some languages, uh, old languages, I know Assembler, for example, and uh, one day they stop to progress and uh, looking uh, on a new way how technology work, they're just like out of market. And in the fraud, it you know, happens even better if you sitting on the same, um, I don't know, knowledge and you not explore it and uh, your company decide to change vector in activity, you just, I know, far away from the company expectations and plus you're far away from fraud and product that you want to prevent. Yeah. I hope yeah. I've well summarized it. No, no, that, that is exactly it. If, if you don't know when your company is doing a new marketing campaign, you might be the one messing up the marketing campaign. If you don't know if your company is changing from like mobile web to a web app, that, that has a ton of impact. And if you don't know that fraudsters are now using spam bots to, to bypass multi-factor authentication, then, then you're going to also miss, miss the mark in, how, in, the, in what you're attempting to do. So have to always stay on top of everything. Just have one more like short follow-up questions. And do you need, do you believe we need to stay in a line uh, and maybe have some synchronization with your competitors in the market? For example, you're working in I know food industry, and uh, I think with guys who work in the food industry, not necessarily in the same country, but in general, do you believe it help something or it's just waste of time? But oh, it helps ton. I, I recommend trying to do that both with peers who are not in your direct uh, industry, because then you get to learn about other things and it helps kind of open your mind to new possibilities and what others are doing. But also if you can create working groups with peers from your direct competitors, most companies, when it comes to fraud prevention, are comfortable with at least some level of knowledge sharing uh, in the industry. And that can be super helpful because then you can, if, if a competitor is being hit by a specific type of attack and they can share with you at least some of what is going on, you can build your defenses before it hits your company, or you can 
spot something that otherwise might take you a few weeks before you understand that it's actually a trend. So I've had a lot of benefit from those interactions in that community. And our industry is very much like one of the things I love about our industry is that everyone really wants to help everyone else, at least from what I've encountered. Uh, people don't want to help just their company. They want to help prevent fraud, period. Yeah, I, I just can, can say, just prove that in the fraud prevention industry, if you contact anyone who works in this industry, you most of the time getting like instant reply or like some delay, of course. But I mean, someone definitely come back to you and say, maybe I'm not the right person to speak uh, and share the, and navigate you who is the right person to speak about it. Plus, we have a lot of the community uh, where the, some chats exist and you can be part of these chats and uh, send over message and re request for help or maybe ask questions. That's resolve a lot of the issues. And uh, I know in a lot of different industries, it's not like that. You can't uh, contact uh, someone and someone reply you with some information. Some of these uh, areas is really restricted, but in fraud, even without sharing any specific pattern or numbers or clarification, you still get navigation, what you might potentially have a look and uh, get benefit, not only for you, but for your company as well. Well, I agree. Yeah. And uh, have you ever been victim of fraud? Yes, a few times um, uh, in, in different types of fraud. So my, I had my, uh, my card stolen. Uh, a couple of times was online and, and in, in, in real life, my, my wallet was stolen. I had social engineering, including one time where I picked up a, a hitchhiker. This is before I started working in fraud and I was a bit more naive after a ride and then told me a sob story of, of how like losing money and being urgently needing to get to somewhere. And, and I gave them some money. And then when they asked me to drop them off, they immediately went to do what looked like a place where you would buy drugs. So that, that was an uncomfortable experience where I really felt defrauded uh, in, a, in a very personal way. This wasn't online, but yes. So I had a chance to encounter yes. fraud for sure. Yeah, that's hard. And just like a kind of curiosity, when your cart was stolen, like from in online, where is it try to use this card? Because in uh, my previous episode with, uh, not previous one, one of my episodes uh, with Boris uh, from uh, Glova, he mentioned that uh, the fraudsters tried to buy a Zoom account. Uh, in your instance, they just try to cash out it somewhere or just try to buy something like, I don't know, funny maybe. So I had, when, when my card was stolen online, they, they bought gift cards online like in large amounts. And that's how my credit card company spotted them. And I, I got fully refunded for everything. Didn't lose money on it. And that was relatively easy one. And, but that was the transaction that they made. That was for smart fosters. I mean, they're using gift cards uh, to cash out money. Exactly. That's a good one. Yeah. And, um, since it is, um, I call it my second season and uh, I really want to add something new. And um, the main idea to add it one more question so about like management and fraud prevention and based it at least on your LinkedIn, 
uh, you're in, in fraud prevention, manage, like a manager area for a long time. And uh, um, what is necessary to be like a uh, fraud manager and jump from core senior position to start to manage something? Some maybe advices you can. Yeah. So I think that there are, from my experience, there are two ways to move from being an analyst or an investigator into being a manager. One is changing companies. Sometimes if you have experience in one company, other, other companies who are either smaller or have less experienced teams will, will want you to lead a team based off of that experience. And then you have to go through the interviewing process. The other is, is to try and get the promotion in-house and be promoted to a manager. I think in both of those cases, the difference between an investigator and a manager are in uh, our soft skills, right? Are being able to, to help people that are working for you be better at what they're doing without uh, restricting them, without turning them into basically drones. It's helping, helping them make sure that they, they meet their targets, but it's also understanding how to manage up, how to get resources from the people you are, you are reporting to, um, get them to understand your needs, get them to understand the business cases. So building up those soft skills to me, that that's the, the biggest thing you can do. And I started by just getting some opportunities to do that, right? Like I was first being given the responsibility of owning a project. And then the responsibility of training new team members who are joining the team and helping, helping them grow a bit. And I got to experience that. That also helped me understand that I actually want to do this because for the first couple of years of my career, I didn't think I really wanted to do management. I thought that that was a lot of headache and a lot of responsibility and that I will not enjoy it. But then when I did these smaller scale projects. And so that actually, I like that quite a lot and that helped push me towards management. And do, do you believe the people born with leadership's knowledge or they just like build them during their career? So I think th this is something you build for the most part. I think you are born with emotional EQ, right? That emotional qualities that allow you to understand people better and communicate better or but those are also things that you can train on and you can build up. And I think there are different styles of management and you can definitely train for them and build them. You don't need to be born with them. Thank you. And, uh, you touch also one important note that you need to be aware of your company, like how's your company doing? Does it mean that you really need to understand all the metrics that exist in the company, how the calculating can, how your work affect on these metrics to, I, I know, for example, sell some of the options or maybe scale up your team or maybe scale up your uh, responses uh, in the company. Do you, do you know, know, I know, how do you calculate LTV, for example, in the company, or it is useless skill to know all these kind of metrics because it's so much of them. So I wouldn't say you need to know everything, but you need to know more than, than, than just your narrow area of responsibility. 
because being a manager is being able to understand what others need, need from your team. And, and if you don't know what they are trying to do and what they're trying to optimize, then that's very difficult to do. The way I viewed it is that you need to expand your viewpoint all the time. So you start from knowing your loss rate, your fraud rate, your bad rates. Those are very, very basic. You expand from there to, to false positive rate and the negative impact and friction that you're creating to your, on your customers, right? Which isn't important just to the fraud team. It's also important to, to your product team and to your customer success team. But then from there, you want to expand to things like potential things like your, your customer's lifetime value or average revenue per user or time to approval and, and different forms of SLA. So you constantly want to expand your viewpoint, uh, but you don't need to do it all at once. You, you can grow into it. Thank you. It's, uh, that's what I'm looking for. Just get a bit more descriptions what kind of metrics you might need to know. Because uh, I, I spoke with some people and uh, they told me they managed team, a huge team, maybe like for 30 people and never look on uh, some high-level company metrics. And uh, that's kind of confused me how they navigate in a way, how they understand their impact of their work. So probably it might be differently applicable, but I agree with you that you need to know some kind of like understanding how the company doing, because uh, if you don't know, uh, for example, percent of payers uh, in the company, that's going to be very questionable if you're working with the payment fraud, because this is uh, what the whole company focuses. Exactly. Yeah, and um, we currently, we have some kind of uh, certificates around uh, in the fraud uh, prevention area, but we don't have any, at least, I don't know about them, uh, like any kind of fraud degree or fraud prevention uh, institution or university. Do you believe we need this one or maybe move in that way to build something or it's better just like jump in and uh, learn? Uh... Yeah, I am a college dropout. So uh, I'm a firm believer of, of learn by doing. And that's... But having said that, there is a lot of built knowledge in our industry and, and gaining access to it is very, very useful. So people who are just trying to start in this career, you don't need to first go and learn in order to get started. Like you can go and find, find a job with that, without the certificate, get in on the ground floor, start feeling it and touching it with your hands, but then as you continue in your path and you grow, I do think that gaining some more structured and formalized knowledge is helpful. Uh, I also think that for some roles and positions in some types of, in different types of companies, we do want to make sure that people who are in those positions are people who know enough about what is going on. Otherwise, that can be very painful, not just for the company that they're working for, but for the entire industry, because sometimes that gap that is created by one company impacts a lot of companies around it. I know a lot of people who just decide to switch 
uh, their career because I love one example. I know a couple couple people who work in in marketing BI analyst team and they're focusing on retentional in all these lovely metrics. And the one day they start to saw that something went wrong with particular like market in their path and uh, start to do investigation at the end. They're right now working for a couple of years already in fraud prevention. But um, I have another cases when people like uh, starting from prevention and jump uh, somewhere else. My qu- question, like, not like, not actually just clear questions, but do you think when you start without any knowledge, it's a good uh, to maybe first uh, begin some like not related fraud areas, but maybe close by, for example, in a company who preventing coupon abuse, it's better if you work a bit in marketing and after this jump in, or it's still better jump in straight away to the coupon abuse and uh, have a look what's happens in this area. So that's a very good question. I think um, you bring yourself to your job in a way. So if you have other experiences, I, I, for example, what I did before, um, working in fraud prevention, I worked it in, in QA quality assurance. I found that very helpful for me as what in, in my fraud prevention career as well, that past experience I had, but I think you can definitely start from other places, but if where you want to get to is fraud prevention, you don't have to start from other places. You can go to fraud prevention and then learn from there. Just stay curious. Don't get tunnel vision where all you're thinking about is the perspective of fraud. Amazing advice. Stay like curious about what happens. Yeah, that's, uh, I believe the most important feeling for everyone who works in fraud prevention. If you're curious, you try to find answer and solution if you are i know seizing in a field that uh, it is interesting uh, to work on some patterns so probably it's a time to switch something or maybe review how you work yeah exactly and yet to be honest this is all i have today and uh, i learned so much and uh do thank you so much for joining me today and uh it was nice to hear your story and your advice is uh, especially in the fraud, fraud management experience, how to become a manager. Uh, I'm definitely focusing on these advices because I'm a, a, in area personally, uh, how to be more like a manager rather than a digital contributor. And uh, amazing. I'm going to take some of them and, uh, <laughs> and try to apply them in my day-to-day work. Um, probably I have some benefits. I will let you know if, uh, some of them work. I believe they will just take time. Well, of course. And then and best of luck to you. <laughs> thank you. And uh, for everyone who just listened to this episode, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, this is like second season and uh, this is our first episode. And uh, it's more in this season. And uh, I want to remind everyone this season fo- we'll continue focusing uh, to like manager for prevention uh, questions. And we try to find uh, other advices from uh, our future guest. And uh, I'm going to say my favorite word at the end of the, 
او بودكاست كات